jump in. Wrapping up this Learning to Let Go series. I wonder how it's been for you. I have uh, had some conversations with some of you, and some of you are just like, man, this is so good. This is like what I needed. It's totally like wrecking me, but it's so good. And then others of you are maybe kind of uncomfortable, maybe kind of rattled by this series. It's like, okay. Um, I mean, by its very nature being called learning to let go, it implies that I'm holding on and um, kind of holding on for a reason, kind of like to hold on to my stuff, even the dysfunctional stuff, right? It might not be working, but it's my stuff. Like, I don't know how to live any other way. And so when you come and sit and listen to sermons, it's like, ooh, um, I don't know. I don't know if I want to let go of that. And there's potential for resistance to come up. I just want to name that this morning, that if you are sitting here and you're hearing me share and you're like, oh, I'm feeling something. I'm not, I don't know. I don't want to give up. I don't want to let go of that. Just be aware of that and just be open to how the Holy Spirit might be wanting to speak to you this morning. Okay, with that, we're going to read from Acts 2. Just four verses. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that your presence is here with us. Father, it's been a week. And uh, many of us are coming in here just kind of heavy, stressed, disappointed, expectant. There's just so many things happening in the room right now. And I just want to thank you, Jesus, that you have something for each one of us. And I do want to ask God that you would protect the space and the work that you're doing. And I want to speak to any principalities and powers that would want to interfere, that would want to accuse, that would want to interrupt what you're doing, Lord. And we just say, the Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. We silence you. And Lord, we open up our hearts to receive from you this morning. Amen. title of my sermon today is Learning to Let Go of Fear. There's a lot of fear right now in this world. COVID, global pandemic, racism, injustice, even just like the ruling this week and the division and the anger and the frustration and all of that can create this sense of fear, never mind just the personal things that you and I are carrying into this room today. So much fear. And if you've, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard a sermon or two on fear. You've maybe listened to a podcast, read a book. I've, I grew up in the church. I've heard this phrase a lot in the church, faith over fear. Faith over fear. It's kind of catchy. Actually, on Instagram, there's more than two million posts with the hashtag faith over fear. And the thing is, it's like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna knock that hashtag. Um, I just wanna say that like most of social media, it's not really giving us the full picture, is it? See, there's a danger in this faith over fear, 
And sometimes we throw out on social media or maybe hanging out with a friend who's sharing something. Well, faith over fear, girl, just trust God. You know, we just kind of throw it out there. The danger is that what we do is we just cut the conversation short. We eliminate any opportunity to explore, well, what is the fear? And, and why is the fear there? And how might Jesus want to meet us in the fear? Like, we just cut that off and it creates a culture of shame. Gosh, you're struggling with fear? You've got an anxiety issue? Mm, faith over fear, remember? And it just silences any opportunity for us to explore how God might want to meet us. And I think what actually happens when we kind of just, just say that faith over fear with, with nothing else with it, what we eliminate is the possibility of exploring the kind of faith that grows in the midst of fear. The kind of faith that just expands and increases and multiplies in a space where we feel afraid, where we're facing uncertainty and maybe battling with anxiety. So let me begin first by confessing that this sermon isn't actually about learning to let go of fear because I don't think that's actually possible. I don't think it's really helpful because fear is actually part of being human, right? It's, it's actually really helpful to experience fear sometimes. Like when I'm about to step out in traffic and that car's coming really fast, I'm like, whoa, okay, I need to step back. Like there's a preservation thing that happens with fear. It can be super helpful for us. So it's not really about learning to let go of all fear, but it's learning to let go of a certain kind of fear. Today, I wanna to talk about letting go of the kind of fear that invades us, takes control of us. Because in its right place, fear can actually be really healthy. But when fear gets out of its right place, that's when it does so much damage in our life. Cole Arthur Riley, she is the creator of Black Liturgies and the author of This Here Flesh. She was asked in an interview recently, what has overcoming fear looked like to you? She says, I've always been a very scared person for as long as I can remember, really. I don't think I've overcome it. In the book, I talk about rising to meet it. There's something significant in that, to approach your fear and not suppress it. It makes space for you to really interrogate what is at risk, what your body is communicating, and to discern if the fear can be trusted or not. I say this because fear can also be one of our fiercest protectors, a sacred intuition telling us that something just isn't right. It's what keeps us from jumping from building to building or touching the, flame, the fire's flame. There's something really nurturing in it at times. And still, there is a fear like you've mentioned that is an anxiety, a fear that latches onto you. It's not interested in meeting you, it wants to possess you. I think I've learned to try to tell the difference between a fear that possesses you and a fear that is warning you. I think this is the challenge that so many of us face, right? Is this a fear that's warning me or is this a fear that's trying to possess me? Because that kind of fear that wants to possess us, when it goes unchecked, fear in our life, it damages us, it destroys us, it wreaks havoc on our relationship, it steals our potential, it siphons off our joy all under our noses while we're singing beautiful worship songs and greeting one another over coffee. Fear can be doing its work in us. So I wanna talk about fear, the fear that possesses us, and I wanna talk about it today by talking about 
three lies that I believe that fear tells us. Hidden beneath the fear, there are these three lies. The first one I wanna unpack for you today is the lie that safety is the priority. Safety is the priority. I'll be honest with you, I almost didn't preach this point this morning. It's one of those nuanced conversations that's so easily misunderstood. But I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to address this. And you know, I wanna say, first of all, like, I'm a woman. I know what it's like to climb into my car and immediately lock it, doesn't matter where I'm parked. I'm a mom, raising kids in this world, in this city, and I know the importance of safety, and I think about it often. I've spent a good chunk of my life working with women who are in violent situations, helping them get out, and I remember always saying, emotional and physical safety, that is what we need to focus on right now. We need to get you safe. So I'm not trying to dismiss the importance of safety. It is one of our most basic needs. But what happens when fear is unchecked in our life? When fear just begins to move into that space and amplify, there's danger, there's threat everywhere. The world isn't safe, nothing's safe. You're never safe. No one's gonna show up for you. You know what you should do, you should self-protect. Hang out with me, hang out with fear. I'll keep you safe. I'll let you know when a threat's coming because everything's a threat, danger everywhere. Self-protect, build walls, step back. Fear says stay fearful and you'll stay safe. But fear offers us no guarantees. It doesn't really keep us safe. It keeps us isolated, it keeps us scared. But what it does do is it cuts us off from the one guarantee that we do have, the one thing that is guaranteed to us and that is access to the loving presence of Jesus. It is so hard when we are locked down in fear to like even find that loving presence of Jesus. But I believe that scripture teaches us that rather than being possessed by fear, we can be filled with love. Romans 8, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, we've all had different family experiences in here. Different experiences with parents. But I'll tell you what, a good parent never abandons their children. A good parent is present and presses in with love and says, you're mine, you belong to me, you're not alone in the world, I know that you're scared, I know that everything's pressing in around you and you just don't know if anyone's gonna show up, but I am a good dad, so much so that I put my spirit in you and the spirit inside of you says, oh daddy, daddy, like you remember that, that I'm yours, like I belong to you. You're not alone in the world. This is what that love is like goes on in Romans 8 to say, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Even the fear and the anxiety that's crippled you. Even in those moments where you just feel like I can't get out of this, I'm stuck in this, in this pit of like fear and terror and I'm so bound by it and I can't sleep and my anxiety levels are through the roof. Even, even then, the love of God can reach us. 
This week I was, I was having a, a rough day this week. And to be honest, I'd probably had a, a few days prior to, it all kind of came to a head on this one day. And it was anxiety and it was fear and it was stress. And I don't know about you, but like, I get anxious about the good things and the bad things, you know? Like, we, get, we, we worry, right, about like, things that could happen. But then when great things happen, we're like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna handle this? This is so great, but there seems like a whole new set of things to worry about. And that's where I was at. And I was just, just kind of spiraling. I'd really hit a wall. And uh, so my husband, Brian, he's a therapist. Apparently, he doesn't wanna be my therapist. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why not. <laughs> And, uh, but periodically I'll say to him, babe, like, could, could I just get 10 minutes? Could you just put the therapy hat on? Just ask me a couple great questions and it's just gonna come. Because I'm an extrovert. I don't even need you to tell me anything. I don't need any advice. I'll just talk for like an hour and I'll come to all my own conclusions. <laughs> so he very graciously was like, sure. <laughs> so we sat down on the couch and I could see the way our couch is like up the hallway, I can see my, my kid's bedroom. And my youngest child, Phoenix, he's eight, and he's had a big week this week because he got a brand new Bible. He, um, he's had like the illustrated, you know, all like kind of the children's stuff. And, and it was just time. He was ready to start looking at chapter and verses. And so I bought him this like small little like leather bound NIV. And he's like walking around the house like this, you know, like tucked under his arm. He's like loving it. And at the same time, I'm on the couch with my husband having this conversation. I can see him, he's all ready for bed, he's kind of on the edge of his brother's bedroom and they're like talking about the Bible. And um, Phoenix is like, you know, flipping through and just kind of feeling the pages and it's just all very grown up. And I'm saying to my husband, I'm like, babe, I, I just can't like, I just can't get out of this. I feel like I'm stuck in the spire. I know I'm gonna preach about fear. I know I should, I should know all that. I can, I can read you the scriptures, like, but I just feel stuck. I don't know how to get out. I don't know how to let go. And I'm in that moment, and I'm just like, you know, so tense like this, and I can, I can hear my son in the distance, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just hear this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. And guys, I am just on the couch, like, I look at Brian, and I look down the hallway, and he's just like kneeling on the ground, just reading Psalm 23. And I just start weeping. I just start weeping because the voice of love is calling to me. The voice of love found me through my eight-year-old. I said to him later, I said, uh, why'd, you, why'd you flip open your Bible and just choose that one? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> And he actually did it again to me last night too as I was putting him to bed. He's like, I wanna read a psalm. And he went right to Psalm 23. And I was like, okay, Jesus. See, this is what happens. Love shows up. Love shows up when we are lost to fear. When fear has crept in and everything feels scary. Look, church, I'm an Enneagram 8. Everything's a threat, right? Like I'm ready to take you down at any second, right? That's just like, that's just like the hypervigilance that I live with and I'm trying to learn to surrender. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, is this the fear that's warning me? Is this trying to possess me? I don't even know or something in between, I don't know. But when the voice of love is calling to me, it just reorients my whole mental space. Oh, 
I'm adopted. I'm known. I'm not alone. I don't have to build all these walls. I don't have to like walk into every space and be terrified. I can meditate on the fact that I am loved by Jesus. Church, where this morning is fear trying to possess you? A part of your life is it just pressing in on, that it's begun to form you and shape you and mark your relationships and you're like, oh, I'm giving this so much room in my life, but I, I just need to return to the voice of love. Henry Nouwen often refers to it as the house of fear and the house of love. And at any point in the day, we can find ourselves in this house of fear and we're so tangled up. And at any point in the day, we can return to the house of love. And I think sometimes we're, we're too ashamed to return to the house of love. Sometimes we hear the voice of love calling us you know, a worship song or a sermon or something. And we're like, but I've been over here so long, Jesus, I don't know you'd even want me back. Like I have been in my fear, in my anxiety. I've been just stuck in it for so long. And church, I wanna encourage you that the spirit of adoption has made you a child of God. Daddy always wants his kids back. How do we need to return to that voice of love this morning? Number two lie that I believe that fear tells us is comfort is what you need. Comfort is what you need. A number of years ago, I, I got into Pilates. Still love it. It's been a lifesaver for me. And uh, it was about maybe seven or eight years ago. I started going to a studio with my Pilates instructor, who I still work with. And I was coming into that season after a, a chronic back issue. And I'll never forget this one session I had with her. She was having me do this very basic move. And as I was doing it, I felt, I felt pain. And she took the time to ask me, well, where's the pain? What does it feel like? One to 10, you know, the whole gig. And then she looked at me and she was like, Ruthie, that's a stretch. <laughs> that's a stretch. It's funny to think back on that now as I've kind of progressed. But I do think back on it often because I think how often in our life are we like, Jesus, this is too much for me. I mean, this, if, I, if I step out in this way, if I face my fear, if I move out of my comfort zone, this is gonna be too much. I am gonna be harmed, I'm gonna be injured. And Jesus is looking at some of us this morning and saying, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. Because I want you to grow. I want you to realize your potential. I want you to step into everything that I have for you. But fear is right there being like, you just need your comfort zone. You're okay where you are, it's good enough. Don't mess with it, just stay where you're at. This is familiar, this is good. You've been through some rough stuff, you don't need a challenging season. You don't need to take risks, you don't need to do that. Just be comfortable. But here's the thing, church. You may be committed to your comfort, but Jesus is not. Jesus is committed to your transformation. He wants you to become everything that he's designed you to be. So all these ways that we defend our comfort and we agree with fear and say, yeah, yeah, we shouldn't. We shouldn't probably press out there. All the ways that we procrastinate and avoid and my personal Christian favorite, I'll pray on it. I'm just gonna pray on it. Months go by, still praying, finding it hard to tune in, still praying. 
Like we use all these excuses, right? We hide behind all of these things because God is saying, I'm calling you out onto the waters. I mean, we sang it, I think just last week. Oh God, you call me out onto the waters, the great unknown. And we walk out the door and God's like, hey, I want you to, I want you to step away from your job and trust me with your future. Oh, not those waters. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jesus, that's cute. Or like, hey, I want you, I, this relationship, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not good. You know it's not for you. I, I know, but it would be terrifying to be alone. I mean, these are the kinds of like disconnects in our life, right? Oh God, take me to that crazy place of faith. Oh wait, now I'm in that crazy place of faith and this is scary and I have to depend on God and I have to trust him. Exactly. That is exactly where God wants you to be because you are designed to live by faith. You are designed to take risks. You are designed to come up and meet fear and say, hmm, I'm gonna lean into the stretch actually, fear. I wanna become the woman or the man that God has created me to be, so I'm gonna lean in and it might be uncomfortable. I'm gonna feel the discomfort, but it is the price of admission for the life that you've called me to. Church, where are you hiding? Where are you hiding in your comfort zone? Where are you just kind of locked down in that place that's like, oh, this is familiar. I don't wanna mess with familiar. God is leading us out of our comfort. And you know what? Sometimes, friends, we need community for this. Because, you know, I don't know what I would have done without my Pilates instructor asking me those questions, helping me not know what's going on in my body, we need that here in our relationships too. Who helps you discern between a stretch and something that's harmful? I mean, who sits with you and says, you know what? You are made for this. You can do it. I believe you. This is God is stretching your faith. You can trust him. You can lean in. Don't shy away. Don't hide in the comfort. Don't step back. Step out and take some ground. Some of you right now, God is just putting some fingers on some areas of your life where you know you have been just, oh, that's gonna be difficult. That's gonna require a new level of dependence. But as his kids, we can trust him. Number three, number three lie from fear. Hiding is what you do. Hiding's what you do. I was recently with a group of women and we were praying for women in our community here and women in San Francisco. And I felt like God just gave me an image, gave me a picture in my mind. And it was a massive shoe and a little foot, and the foot was sliding into the shoe and then pulling out really quick and saying, oh my gosh, this, this shoe's too big. And maybe, you know, I, I've got kids and when they were younger, they would like get into my heels, you know, and like clomp around the house. And two things I would say, that shoe is not made for you, it is way too big, get out of that shoe right now, you're gonna break your neck, right? Like, you can't, don't be wearing shoes that are too big. Or maybe you've been to a store and you're like, oh my gosh, that shoe is everything I want, but they only have it in the size larger. And you're like, well, maybe it runs small. I'll try it. And you put your foot in there and as soon as you feel that space behind your heel, you're like, oh, I wasn't made for this shoe. We know what it's like to put feet, small feet in big shoes. Just feels like it doesn't fit. Feels like it doesn't belong. This happens in our lives too, church. God invites us to do something. Our calling, our dream, a step of obedience, a step of faith. 
and we just begin to kind of teeter up to him. We slide our foot in and we go, oh, no, my, my gosh, this is so big. This is terrifying. Like, I, I don't want to be on display like that. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to try and go after something really big. And Faith pulls up to us with a little cup of coffee like a bestie. It's like, you're right. You are overreaching. You are, that's too big for you. I, I'm just telling you because I want to protect you. I don't want you to, like, I don't want you to try for something and then be humiliated. I don't want you to fall and break your neck. I don't want you to try those. No, no, you, you're right. You should think smaller. Think smaller. That's sensible. It's logical. You're not ready for that. One day you will be, but not now. Think smaller and hide. Because if people see you, gosh, that's going to be embarrassing. You should close your mouth. Be quiet. And fear just comes in and says, you, you're made to hide. You're not made to be on display. Nobody wants to see you doing those things, you know, like moving in your gifts moving in your anointing. No, 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 you're not ready. But here's the thing, church. I don't think it's the shoe that needs to decrease in size. It's our perspective of the foot that needs to increase in size. See, you were made for big things. You and I are made for big things. We're not made to hide. That's not our inheritance. That's not what's been handed to us. Second Timothy says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You see, some of us are hiding, some of us are timid, some of us are shy, and we're just like, God, I, I just want the small thing, just give me. I've always been great behind the scenes. Give me a behind the scenes job. And God is just calling us out this morning. Where is your voice locked down? Where are you not moving in your gifts? Where are you just like hesitating because it seems too big to even dream for that? Those are the places that I believe that God is inviting us to come up and meet fear and face fear. Our inheritance is not hiding. It is not small. It is to take up space and be everything that God has designed us to be. So what then if we realize like, okay, yeah, sure, I'm believing every single one of those lies. Awesome. What do I do with that? Or maybe it's been the last three weeks and you've heard Dave just unpacking these things that we're being invited to let go of. This illusion of what we thought Jesus would be and what we thought our lives would be or the control that we need to have or that perfectionism around making the most perfect right decision. Maybe you've been sitting here and thinking about it. Maybe you've been talking about it. Maybe you've been wondering like, what, well, what do I do then? Giving up all these things to Jesus, what does that leave me with? I opened up this morning with the Acts 2 passage. It's a great, great four verses there, just like power comes down on the upper room. But I just want, for a second, I just want us to think what happened before Acts 2 verse 1. You see, here we have all the disciples, and they just watched Jesus die, and then he rose again, and then he appeared to Mary, and he's like, don't cling to me. And you know that's got, got spread around. Like, what does he mean? Don't cling to me. What's going on? Like, they are left somewhat confused by this Jesus. And then Jesus shows up on the Emmaus Road in one of his most pastoral moments. And he says to them, you're really slow and foolish, right? And it's like, whoa. And then they realize it's Jesus and their hearts burn within them. And it's just like, okay, but now he's just disappeared. And what's next? And now we're in Jerusalem and we're waiting, but what are we waiting for? There's a sense of emptiness that they may have been feeling. A sense of like, okay, we've, we've given up our whole lives 
and what we thought Jesus would be and, and what he, we thought he'd do in our life. Like, what is next? Church, I want to encourage you that the upper room was empty before it was filled. It was empty. There was a sense of like, well, where's the power? How do we move forward? Okay, church, revolution, how do we even do this? Maybe you're feeling the same this morning. Maybe at the end of the series, you're like, okay, I got a lot of stuff I got to let go of. All right, let's, let's be real. But where do I go from here? I mean, if I just give it all to Jesus, who will I be? Well, this is what I think is beautiful is that God never leaves us empty. See, the upper room was filled with the spirit of Jesus. This violent wind comes from heaven. The whole house, tongues of fire come, Holy Spirit comes. Like they are filled up. This is the end of the cycle of this learning to let go. It's like we let go, but then Jesus didn't say, great, just go, go deal with all your stuff alone. He says, okay, let's fill you. Let me fill you with the Spirit. And church, that is what I think that God is leading us to in this moment. That some of us just need a filling. We need an empowering. We need an upper room moment in our lives where the Spirit of Jesus just comes and we're like, okay, I want to receive that kind of power. I want to receive that kind of loving presence. I want to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus. I wanna share a prophetic word that God gave me as I was preparing for this. And then I'm gonna invite the worship team up and we're gonna, gonna move into a little bit of a more unusual response. Joshua 4, Israel has come out of slavery in the wilderness and God is taking them into the promised land. And they cross the Jordan. And as they cross the Jordan, God says, pick up some stones, take them into the promised land and set them up as a memorial to remember. When your kids say to you, what do these stones mean? What is, what is this about? I want you to tell them, I brought you out of slavery, that I made a way for you, that I'm the God that saves. Like, I want you to tell them the story of us, the fact that I define you, that you're my people, that I am for you. So this was the memorial stones in Joshua 4. And as I was praying and preparing this week, I felt the Holy Spirit just so clearly say in my ear that some of us here have memorialized our fear. We've set up a memorial stone for our fear. It's a date on the calendar. It's a place. It's a season, a holiday, an item. And it has become like this memorial stone that's casting a shadow over our future. And it's saying to us, this bad thing happened, it's probably gonna happen again. This like, this awful thing, this was terrifying. And you know what? It's probably gonna happen again. And every time that calendar date comes around, it's like we feel it. It's like, oh my gosh, this person passed away on this day and now I'm feeling the fear. And church, I want you to hear me here because you know my story. I lost my brother when I was young, when he was young. Every time that date comes around the calendar, I remember. Sometimes I cry, sometimes it's, I barely notice. Grief is weird like that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's remembering, that's grieving, lamenting. We're not into pretending here, but one of the things that I did have to work through was the fear that I was gonna die young. Like if he died, and maybe I'll have that same situation that maybe that'll happen to me or maybe my husband, maybe my kids and it planted this like foot of fear in my life, this foothold of fear. 
So when that day comes around now, I remember my brother and I celebrate and I grieve and all of the things, but you know what I don't do anymore? I don't let fear define my future. And there are some of us here, things in our life that we've just like, we just planted. It might be deaths, it might be divorces, breakups, pain, things that have happened. I feel a specific word also around those of you that have lost parents when they were young. And sometimes we can find ourselves meditating on, well, my dad only made it to 38, maybe, maybe I'll die at 38. Or made it to 52, well, I'm turning 50, not got long left. You see, this is the way that fear works in our life. It says, let me set a memorial up, and every time you look at it, remember what I'm doing for you. But church, I think that God wants to reframe those things in our life. And I think he's inviting us to set up some memorials about the goodness of God, his loving presence. I wanna encourage you to set up memorials for every time that you are brave and courageous and you step out in faith, that we just begin to give room for faith to grow in our life and to just kind of acknowledge that fear but not let it possess us. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on up. At the end of our last service, the first service, I had two people come to me with with prophetic words and I just wanna share them. The first one was an image of Jacob Marley. We're all familiar with that, that old Christmas story. And the image of him when he's got these chains on him and these like, these boxes attached to the chains just dragging things around. And I believe there's an invitation for some of us today to break some chains, to get free from fear, free from the fear of death free from the fear fear that wants to possess us, free from the illusions, free from the control, free from the perfectionism. We don't have to drag that around anymore, church. The second word that was given to me was of the raccoon shiny trap. You might be familiar with these traps that are designed when raccoons love shiny things and they put their little paw in there and they grab onto the shiny thing but it's too big now to pull out. And the raccoon does not wanna let go. It's trapped. And there's some of you, I think here, that have maybe been reaching for something. And it may not be inherently bad, but it's like you're gripping on so tight and you're like, now I'm trapped and I can't get free. And the invitation from Jesus this morning is to let go, to trust him, to believe that he is with you and that you are loved by him. I'm gonna give you the same gift that my eight-year-old gave me and I'm gonna read Psalm 23. And if you're you're not coming forward and you just wanna receive where you are, you can go ahead and you can open your hands to receive. But I wanna encourage you that if the Holy Spirit is just nudging you, there's a space here for you this morning. I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna pray over you. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything. But as I begin to read, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and begin to respond and come to the front and just stand here on the carpets. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, 
comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's just stay in this moment. Let's just stay present to what the Spirit might be speaking. The Good Shepherd is here and He wants to just come and just relieve us of these like heavy burdens. There's some chains, there's some stuff, there's some folks here who are like, I've spent so many years in therapy on this, it's not gonna make a difference. And I just wanna speak right to that and say, one encounter with Jesus, one encounter with Jesus can set you free. There's some fear of death in this room that we just wanna cut off. Some of it came in during COVID. Some of you are just like, I, this thing just got amplified and now I just, I just feel it. I'm just so afraid of health stuff. There's some health fear in here. I wanna pray for you if you had like diagnosis recently and you're just like, I am gripped by fear, I cannot sleep. The invitation is for you. I'm gonna read Psalm 23 one more time just in case there's anyone up in the balcony that was like, oh, it's kind of far. Just in case there's anyone that's just really battling with wanting to let go. I'm just gonna read it one more time. Just receive this truth. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and He leads me beside quiet waters. and He refreshes my soul guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. And even though I walk the darkest valley, some of you here right now are in the darkest season of your life, and you're literally like, I don't know if anyone can come find me. Even there, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.